0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Every Sunday, there are a whole bunch of first-timers, and I know it takes courage to come to a crowd, and hopefully you'll find somebody that's that's like you, somebody that you know, but there's always a risk that you will come, and uh, you won't actually experience what Justin talked about this morning, a sense of belonging. And I have prayed for you that you would experience just a wonderful and immediate sense that you belong here. Even if you're just passing through on vacation, that you belong here today and that God has a message for you. Every Sunday at New Life is a learning experience. We want it to be that way for you. My name is Ron. I'm the founding pastor of the church and I'll be hanging out in the lobby afterwards and I would love to meet you. Uh, before you get out of here if I haven't met you already. Um, We have a desire that no uh, first-timer gets left behind. So let me introduce you to a couple things that uh, we use every Sunday, uh, but we want you to know how to use them. So on the inside of your program, you'll find a long skinny card that says start here on one side, and it says connect card on the other side. It's how we partner with the people who come to our church. And when I say we, it's how the pastoral staff partners with people who come. Uh, There's an opportunity on the back for you to ask us to pray about something that's happening in your life. There are opportunities for you to ask for information about uh, ministries that we offer through the church. It's an opportunity for you to sign up for different things There's uh, one opportunity on the backside for you to respond in terms of if you're going to make a decision to become a Christian today. And virtually every Sunday at our church, one or more people make that decision, and that's awesome. It's the best decision that you can possibly ever make in this life. And. As I close our teaching time together, I'm going to give you the opportunity. If you haven't made that decision before, I'm going to give you the opportunity to make that today so that when you leave this place, you can leave this place, as Justin just said to you, you can leave this place knowing that you have chosen to become part of God's family and to accept him as your heavenly father and to be his son or his daughter. So that's what that card's about. At the end of our service, we'll be collecting those in some baskets. For right now, if you'd put your name and your contact information on the front, that way when you check something on the backside, we actually know who to follow up with. Uh, The second thing is on the inside of your program, you'll find uh, fill-in-the-blank teaching notes. I said a while ago that every Sunday at New Life is a learning experience. We want it to be a learning experience for you today. Now we're in the middle of of this series <clears throat> called believe I'm sorry belong believe and behave they're in that particular order because that's the order that Jesus put them in and uh, at a future time we're going to haul out a thing that I will teach you about called the transformation triangle and it's really about how God what process does God use to to transform our lives and that's that's a promise that God makes in the Bible over and over and over again. And when we haul out the transformation triangle and teach it to you, you will find out that belong goes at the top, that the next is believe, and then the last is behave. And we'll look at the, the principles from scripture that help us uh, take that journey and experience that process in our lives. Last week, we, we learned a very valuable principle And I didn't put fill-in-the-blank notes for you to write this down, but you might want to. And if you weren't here last week, for sure you're going to want to pull up the podcast or the video and watch, because we learned that belonging opens the door to vulnerability. And why is that so important? Because vulnerability opens the door to healing and to change. I don't have time to get into that today. But that's why it's so important. That's why Jesus began with a sense of belonging. Now today we're going to talk about belief. We're going to talk about what should I believe. And I I want to say up front that this is a very challenging subject because we're actually going to talk about a very common misunderstanding about the truth here in Sonoma County and Marin County as well. And And so even though I'm going to talk about this misconception and friends around you, and maybe even you have had this misconception, I don't want to speak down to anybody or down about anybody, even though I'm going to refer to this concept. I know you've all heard it, and that is all roads sort of get you to the same place. Pick your own truth. Have you heard that before? Of course you have. Okay, we're going to talk about that. Because in order to understand truth, we actually have to know the nature of truth. What's it really about? So I guess you could say, if you wanted to subtitle this message, you could call this the truth about the truth. Okay? Jesus, almost 100 times in his recorded ministry in the Bible, made this statement, truly, truly, I say to you, now, we don't, we don't usually use that particular phrase, but what Jesus was saying when he said, truly, truly, he was actually saying, time out, pick up your ears, and listen, because what I'm about to say to you is actually true, even though our culture doesn't tend to believe it. Yeah. So I would love to say at the beginning of this message truly, truly God says to you. So pick up your ears. We're going to talk about something that our culture by and large doesn't believe, but it's actually true. And we're going to talk about it in the context of a story in the Bible. And and this story is the story of Jesus traveling through a portion of Israel called Samaria, where Jews didn't normally travel. And it's noontime and he's been walking all morning long and it's hot and the road is dusty and he's tired, he's hungry, and he's thirsty. And he sits down beside a well and his 12 apostles go into town to get some food. And a woman comes to the well, who is uh, a woman of questionable character, and, and as the story unfolds, we learn that the woman has been married five times and finally gave up on marriage and now is just living with the guy. And imagine that. She sits down Well, she comes to the well to get water and she doesn't know it, but she's about ready to encounter God in human flesh. And uh, that's a little bit like when you're not living the way you're supposed to, running into me at the grocery store. (laughs) I have seen people literally change aisles. I'm nowhere close to God, right? Well, yes, I am close to God, but no one's ever gotten us confused, I'll put it that way. Um, So here she comes, and she just wants to get her water and get out, and Jesus engages her in a conversation, and you have to go back to last week's message to walk through all of the ways that this woman tries to shut down the conversation because she doesn't feel like she belongs in the circle with Jesus and all the ways that Jesus keeps inviting her into this, into the circle of dialogue. But we're going to break into that story sort of right in the middle, because when she figures out Jesus is actually a prophet, she has a question for him. And so as soon as I turn this thing on, we will be ready to go. Here we go. So here's the story. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? Well, we Samaritans claim it's here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus says. What are the first two words that Jesus says? Would you under... You have... Yeah, you can underline that this week. Last week I asked you to underline something wasn't in there. So here you go. All right. <laughs> Believe me, underline that. Jesus is getting ready to address the concept of truth. Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Indeed, it is here right now. So what he's saying to her is, the first truth I'm going to unveil to you is that worship is not determined by where you go. And he's about ready to tell her what's really important in worship. And here it is. When true worshipers will worship the Father in what? Spirit and in truth. Now, I'm not going to talk about spirit today. We'll talk about that at a different time. But we're going to talk about the fact that there's an inseparable connection between God and truth and between the worship of God and truth. He goes on to say, The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. Just yesterday, Monica and I were headed to uh, a wedding over in Sonoma. And most of you have one of these, and you can pull up maps or you can pull up uh, whatever it is that your particular phone has, and, and you can begin to follow a GPS. You know what I find interesting about a GPS? It seems to almost always be an exercise in trust. Have you noticed that? (laughs) So we get on here and we think that we're going to head east out of town to Sonoma. And it says go south on 37. Right away we are confronted with a choice. Do I believe this? Okay. Or not? I want you to understand that believing and trusting are the same. Do I need to say that again? You can tell me all day long I believe something, but if you don't trust it, you don't actually believe it. So we had a choice. If we believed this, then we would trust it, and we would go south out of town, and then cut on, back up over the hill and get back on the road to Sonoma. Interestingly enough, we decided to trust and believe the GPS We headed south out of town when we cut back up over the mountain to get on the road that goes to Sonoma. I have no idea what was on that road. I only know that at a time of day when there was traffic everywhere, there was no traffic coming through. Huh. Yes. You know why? Are you ready for this? It told me the truth. We're going to learn in a few minutes what kind of truth that is. Yeah, okay? Now, I want you to understand that there's an inseparable connection between God and truth and between the worship of God and truth. So Jesus spoke about this on another occasion, and let's take a look at it. Jesus is standing before Pilate, who is trying to decide whether to sentence him to die on the cross or let him go. And here's what Jesus says to Pilate. He says, I, Jesus, was born and came into the world to testify to what? The truth. Would you circle the word testify? Because we're going to come back to that. It will help us to learn three different things about truth. And then he said, all who love the truth recognize my voice. Jesus is clearly saying that there's an inseparable connection between his voice and truth. We should not be surprised by that because if there's an inseparable connection between God and truth, and Jesus is God in human flesh, then there would be an inseparable connection between what Jesus said and truth. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah, sure. And then he goes on and then... (laughs) He said, all who love the truth will recognize that what I say is true. And Pilate goes, what is truth? That's really what we're going to attempt to answer today. But I I want you to take that word testify because it's a word we usually use in the context of a courtroom. And when someone testifies in court, there are three things, well, two things that we know about that, and then a third one we'll learn about Jesus. And the first is this. Jesus used the word testify because Jesus recognized that in some form or another, truth seems to always be on trial. There's always some form of deception that raises itself up and claims to be true and claims that truth is actually false. And truth seems to always be on trial. And our culture, all the cultures around the world, tend to do the same thing. Which is why uh, there's this cultural struggle between what's true and what's not true. The second thing is this. He uses the word testify Because the truth is when someone testifies in court, what's actually going on in the courtroom is is the the judge and the jury are actually trying to identify truth from error. And the truth can be very hard to identify. I think that's why Pilate looked at Jesus and said, What is truth? You know, that's a guy who had heard a ton of different people stand in front of him and claim that something was true and it actually wasn't. And he was actually tired of that. Here's the most important thing that you can know. That the truth is important enough for Jesus to come to earth to identify it for us. That's what he said. I came into this world and was born to testify to the truth. Every once in a while you'll see uh, somebody wearing a hard hat out on the street and they're holding an instrument in their hand and they usually have a can of spray paint in the other hand. You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to figure out something that you can't see. They're trying to figure out the location of gas pipes or, or electrical conduit or whatever else, plumbing, whatever else is under the street. And the reason they have a meter is the meter will actually tell them the truth about something that they can't see with their eyes and is very hard to identify. Jesus said, look, I came from heaven to be your truth meter, to help you see what you actually can't see and figure out on your own. And you know, I look at it like this. Anything that will get Jesus to leave heaven has to be pretty important. Would you agree with that? Yeah. That's why the nature of truth is so important. Now, in a later place, Jesus said this about the truth. He said, the truth will set you free. There is some form of freedom in actually knowing the truth. And for the next few minutes, I'm going to write up here on this chart, and we're going to learn some things about the truth. We're going to learn that there are three different kinds of truth. I'm going to start with the least important, and we're going to go up to the most important. And so here, here's the first kind of truth, and that is subjective truth. There are three things you need to know about subjective truth. And the first thing about subjective truth is it is relative. That means that it varies from person to person. And you notice that subjective truth is a personal reality that gives shape to my life. Now, my older brother and I are very close. We're 15 months apart in age. And the first time we headed off across the ocean, this was back when you flew on the airlines and everyone was in suits and they served you an actual real meal. On the plane, I know. Some of you can't even imagine that. But that's how it used to be. And it wasn't just kind of a meal. It was usually a, a very, um, decadent meal. It was awesome. So, uh, we are on our very first 747, headed out of JFK, and we were gonna land in Amsterdam. And, um, so they bring us a meal, and we look at that meal, and what looks to be like dessert up there in the corner looks really, really good. It looks like um, chocolate pudding with whipped cream on it. Awesome. I'm not eating that first. I'm eating that last. So we're eating away, and Monica looks over at me and notices I'm not eating that. And she says to me, by the way, Monica has way more class and culture than I do, right? Right? <laughs> She says to me, dear, what do you think that is? I said, that looks to me like chocolate pudding with whipped cream. She said, that's actually liver pate with mayonnaise. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're going to use that little story because my older brother's wife, did not know what liver pate and mayonnaise was, and so she and my brother assumed it was chocolate pudding, all right? Which is where the story gets funny, right? So here's what I want you to know about subjective truth. Subjective truth is this. The truth about me is I don't happen to like liver pate and mayonnaise, okay? As you will soon find out, the truth about my brother is he agrees with that truth, right? And yet there are many people who love liver pate and mayonnaise. Got it? It's a subjective truth. It's true, but it varies from person to person. That's why it's called relative. The second thing you need to know about subjective truth is that we get to decide what's true for us. You can taste that stuff and you'll either go, wow, I would love some more of that, And you get to make that decision or you can taste it and go, I've had enough for a lifetime right there. (laughs) It's all up to you. You get to decide. This is the thing about subjective truth. This is why it's a personal reality that gives shape to your life. Now, the third thing you need to know about subjective truth is this. There's a whole lot of enjoyment in subjective truth, but there's no actual freedom in it. Whether you like liver pate and mayonnaise or whether you don't, it will not, uh, with any form of substance, actually change your life and lead to a place of greater freedom. It just won't. It's just a piece of relative truth. It's subjective. You get to decide. There's a second kind of truth, and that is this objective truth. An objective truth is the kind of truth that is immutable. What does immutable means? It cannot change. Not only it doesn't change, it cannot change. Objective truth is immutable realities that govern our world. Okay? Here's an objective truth, all right? Take a look at this. They're not relative. I don't care who you are. If you think it's chocolate pudding and it's actually liver pate, you are in for a surprise. I don't care how much you think that's chocolate pudding, how much you believe it's chocolate pudding, how much you want to taste chocolate pudding when you taste it. If it's liver pate, it is liver pate, and all the desire in the world will not change that for you. Got it? It's immutable. These are things that we actually don't get to decide for ourselves. If you've ever bought a three-year-old a Superman costume, you recognize that there's a form of objective truth that your three-year-old doesn't yet realize. And that is, real humans do not fly. And your three-year-old will put on that cape, get up on the back of the couch, and give that thing a try. And if you do not help them understand that objective truth, they're in for a very big and painful surprise. Yeah. Because I don't care how many capes you put on, how much you want to believe that you can fly, gravity still applies to you. You don't get to decide it. The third thing you need to know about this is that there's real freedom in this kind of truth. Do you realize what every scientist does? Let's take the the realm of medical science. Because these realities govern our world, the more that medical scientists understand the nature of cancer, the nature of the human body, and the nature of certain drugs and chemicals as they interact with the cells and the DNA and, and the amino acids of our bodies, and the more we learn about that, the more the chances go up that we can actually leverage these unchanging principles and rules and truths that govern our world and manipulate them to our benefit. That is actually what science is. We rely on it all of the time. This morning I walked out on the stage and I stepped onto this platform and i believed that the principles and the truth about the wood in this platform that it was strong enough to hold me up if i didn't believe that i would not have stepped on it now in this particular case you know how you know why i believe this i built it <laughs> i know what's under now i trust a lot of things i didn't build but in this particular case, I built it. So I know what's under there. And I believe that the wood would not collapse. And I believe it was put in the right places so that it would hold up pretty much anybody you wanted to put up here and as many people as you could put up here at one time. It's, I, but in the designing of it, I used principles and truths that govern our world and I managed them in such a way to accomplish what we wanted to accomplish. Yeah. And the fact that there is objective truth in this world leads to a place of freedom where I can trust things and reasonably expect that they're going to do what I have trusted them to do. It leads to the more we know about objective truth, the greater freedom we have in this physical world. Let's look at the third kind of truth, and that is transcendent truth. Transcendent truth are the immutable realities that govern the spiritual world and eternity. Now, I told you I put these up here in in the order of importance and impact in our lives. And this has absolutely the most impact in our lives. We'll see see why. First of all, you need to know these are not relative. You and I don't get to choose these. God does not consult us and say, hey, by the way, how do you think I should order the spirit world? I really need your help on that. Nope. You and know, I don't get to choose that. The second thing is we don't get to decide what's true for us. No. I can't look at God and say, I don't actually like that spiritual reality. How about this one? I would choose to believe this one. No, I don't get to decide what's true for me. And thirdly, there's ultimate freedom in this kind of truth. Here's why. The objective truth Can give you some sense of freedom in this physical world where you can manipulate the truths that govern our world and make your life easier. But nothing that you learn here can actually transform the inside of you. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the cells of your physical body. I'm talking about your spirit and your soul. I'm talking about your nature. That freedom only comes from here. Now, the really interesting thing about all about these three different kinds of truth is you have to know what comes from each. Because if you get something in the wrong category, it can jump up and bite you. Like the liver pate jumped up and bit my brother. He thought it was subjective. It actually turned out to be objective. Um, Which, by the way, he leaned forward about halfway through the flight and with a big grin on his face and said, hey, did you try that chocolate pudding? Nice. That's why I didn't marry him. That's why I (laughs) married my wife. So, interestingly enough, let's take something like morality. And, and, And I want you to pay especially close attention to this. Where would morality fit? Here, here, or here? If you're talking about moral laws that govern our nation and that govern our community, they belong here. You know how I know they belong there? Because they change. (laughs) They change all the time. Things that used to be illegal years ago are no no longer illegal. And things that used to be legal years... Yes, legal years ago are now illegal. It, it keeps changing. Why? Because laws are subjective. They are chosen for people, but morality itself is here. Yeah. The idea of thou shalt not commit murder, even though it might be in a human law that's here, What actually stands behind that law comes from here. In the end, I know that you were taught in sociology class and you were probably taught in human psychology down in high school. And I know you, if you took psychology in college, you were taught this. You were taught that morality is determined by mores and that cultures decide what's going to be moral and immoral. That is actually not true. Cultures decide what's legal and not legal, but they can never decide what's moral and not moral because only God makes that decision. Everybody understand that? That's huge. That's actually, that's unbelievably huge because if we think and we know, Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will what? This truth right here, this kind of truth. There's freedom in that. If we disagree with this truth and we decide that we're going to put it down, here that we're going to change it, there's no freedom in that truth because now we're believing a lie. And that never leads to freedom. Let's, let's uh, close with an illustration. Jesus said this in John chapter 14. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says, no one can come to the Father except through me. That, my friends, is is a transcendent truth. It's not pick whichever path you want. They sort of all lead to the same place. Jesus would flat out, completely, 100% tell you, that's wrong. That's not true. No matter how much you want to believe it. No matter how much you want to believe that that's chocolate pudding with whipped cream. That's actually not. It's not true. Here's a couple of closing thoughts. First one is this Our culture consistently tries to drag these truths down to this level. Pick whichever God you want, they're sort of all the same. Pick whichever morality you want, they're sort of all the same. They sort of all lead to the same place. Choose whatever you want to believe, and and if it works for you, it works for you. Continually tries to take transcendent truths and make them subjective and relative to the person. And Jesus would stand, he said, I came from heaven to earth to testify to the truth. And the truth about the truth is, when it comes to transcendent truth, it's not subjective at all. But, here's what you actually do need to know. And that is, although we don't get to decide what's true for us, we actually do get to decide who or what we're going to trust. Jesus would never, as Pastor Kevin says many times, God is a gentleman. He's not going to come and domineer you and force you. He gives you the choice. And I want to come back as we close to this. Remember the GPS? How many of you would settle for a GPS That's right 75% of the time. Which means one out of every four turns. Some of you go, I have one of those. (laughs) I would suggest you get a different one. Okay? Because if one out of every four turns is wrong, it's going to be a long road for you to get where you want to go. Can I tell you, there is truth, some truth, in every religion but jesus said i want to tell you the truth and when it comes to relying on jesus he's not right 75% of the time or 80 or 90 he's right 100% of the time which friends is why you can never trust your eternity to any human religious leader or any human philosophy or any human based system of belief. When it comes to your eternity, you want it to be a hundred percent right. Right? Yeah. So today there's really other than going from here and saying, From now on when Jesus says it, I'm in. I think I can get that. I'm 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 on board with that. There's something, and I said earlier today that I was going to give each of us a chance to respond. If you've never made the decision to follow Jesus with your life and to become a Christian, for this reason alone, you owe it to yourself to say, Hey, I'm tired of being deceived and believing things to be true that don't turn out to be true, and believing things not to be true that actually turn out to be true. And I'm ready to partner with a God who will put his arm around me and say, Let me tell you the truth about the truth so that you can line up your life with this truth and you can begin to experience amazing freedom. And the great thing about God is he doesn't just dump the truth and say, there you go, line up your life. He says, look, I'll not only show you the truth, I'll help you live that way. I will partner with you in this journey of truth. And so I want to give you that opportunity. If you're ready to make that decision, so us all bow our heads. I'm going to pray a prayer. This is a prayer that you pray. You're going to communicate that decision to God. And then once you've done that, would you please take your card, turn it over and check that box that says, I'm making a first time decision to become a Christian today. Ready? Here's the prayer. Dear God, I believe that you are telling me the truth about life. And I believe that Jesus died to pay the penalty for my sin. Today, I accept your forgiveness, and I choose to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. Amen. God bless every one of you who made that decision. We are, we're going to pass some baskets in a couple of moments to pick up your, your Connect cards, but we're also going to be receiving an offering For those of you who are guests this morning and first, second, or third timers, if you're brand new to our church, as I often say, we didn't charge you to get in. We will not charge you to get out. You don't actually have to give. If you want to give, that's awesome. We're going to take whatever comes in the offering today, and we're going to use it in ways that transform people's lives here and around the world. And for those of you who give so generously week after week, you are in partnership with God in changing the world, changing our community and changing the world. So I know you're going to give with joy and generosity. So uh, finish getting uh, your offering ready. If you want a text to give, there... Hello. Somebody will have to do that besides me. There it is. So if you want a text to give, you can do that. There's all sorts of ways for you to give. Um, I'm going to pray over the offering, and uh, ushers, you can come forward, and then I'll make some announcements. God, I thank you that you have given us such great joy and freedom in learning and knowing the truth. And, and I know you're going to be with us this week as we as we go out to partner with you and live this week in your great kingdom, um, uh, holding you and taking you by the hand. Uh, thank you for giving to us way more than we need and it's our wonderful blessing to be able to give back to you and know that the the things that we give, you will use in ways that are truly phenomenal. And we bless you for that. Thank you for being such a great, generous, uh, heavenly Father for us. And uh, we bless you now. We pray it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.